Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Well, good evening, everyone. Are you doing good? That was awful. That was awful. It was so bad. I, I, I don't know what it is about watching that lady fall off the donkey. That just kills me every time. Anyone else? 90 Day Fiance. Anyone watch that show? No? Right, of course. No. Okay, we got some. Really? I say, hey, how you doing? I get nothing. And then it's got like, 90 Day Fiance, me, me, me. And you're so excited about it. Hey, welcome to church. If it is your first time with us. Uh, or third time, whatever it may be, uh, I want to welcome you here. My name is Lucas. We really, like Bren was saying, would love to meet you. I just met someone tonight who's like, ah, I'm like, oh, is it your first time? And she was like, no, I've been coming for like six years. So sometimes that happens. It's not, it's, and it's, I really don't mean for that to happen. Our church would never want that to happen. In fact, we, would, we actually really do try to make sure everyone feels connected with. And sometimes it maybe it slips through the cracks, whatever it is. So just know that you're, you're, you're loved. We're thankful you're here and would love to connect with you. We really would, post-service, before-service, whatever it is. Uh, we're in week number two of a series called Forced Love, which is kind of a, 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 like an interesting title. And really, we've, we've, we've kind of come to this conclusion, or I kind of proposed to you uh, last week, that it seems as though in culture, in whether it's media, whether it's movies, whatever it is, music, that it just feels like things are shifting and it's like we're really perpetuating this idea of like you gotta find someone, you know, and we're kind of, relationships become this thing that we force because we're so desperate um, to have somebody rather than allowing God to work on us in the season we're in and then bring someone to us potentially in the season that may be best. And so, and, and I, you know, if I can be honest, it's not just culture and media. Let's not just point the finger there. The church does this too. I remember one of the first times I even came here with my sister, someone, someone came up to us right away. It was this sweet lady and she was like, oh, and how long has this been going? And I was like, since birth. She's my sister. Like, we're almost, like, we look alike too. We're not like, this isn't clear. And it was one of those things you're like, L, And then you had to kind of push through the awkwardness. But we do that even at church, right? Where it's like, oh, and you've been dating three weeks. When's the wedding, right? And baby soon. Like we're really, we really are kind of infatuated this idea with love, love, and it's this, it's marketing, and we just had Valentine's Day, and you see it everywhere, and I just want us to take a deep breath. I want us to slow down, and I want us to make sure we aren't forcing something, and we're taking care of our hearts, that you're taking care of your hearts, and that we're properly coming to the Lord. And so firstly, last week, we actually spent most of our time unpacking the relationship we have with ourselves, and how, and how deeply we desire to find someone, and yet the goal is not to find someone, or I should say like this, we, our heart desires a savior first and foremost, and yet sometimes we replace that person with a spouse. Like we assume we need someone, and so our heart is like, I just need to be with someone, but truthfully we desire wholeness, we desire healing, we desire to feel complete, fulfilled, and I just wanna say from the bottom of my heart um, that God ha- is meant to fill that hole. 
And I really like, I really like pushed that hard. And I was not, I didn't hold back. I, I continued to say like, your heart needs a savior. His name is Jesus. That's the first place. If you want to find fulfillment, if you want to find wholeness, if you want to find completion. And we painted the story of the lady at the well, John 4, and how she was looking for to fulfillment every guy but couldn't find it. So that was really the heart of last week, um, to really that your heart would find mercy and grace, that you would come and discover the goodness of God before we rushed into any relationship. Now this week I want to unpack um, a few other things, but before we do that, I want to just show you the sweet, the sweet, the sweet video of this person I love so much. Uh, I just, I just love him so much. It's, this is like this isn't forced love. This is easy love. Can I just show you this really quick? It's totally off the topic, but I just want to show you. It just feels so good. This is. Oh. This is my son, Levi. Is it good? Is it good? Oh, that's a lot of icing, buddy. This is a lot of icing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it yummy? Here it goes. Faked you. He faked you all out. Faked me out, too. Oh, he likes the icing. He just loves the icing. It's his birthday today. It's Levi's first today right now. I know. Thanks, Darian. And I wanted to show you that, like, because I feel like we're kind of, we, we eat up everything that is relationship, don't we? Have you ever seen a kid do a smash cake? Like, really go for it? Levi didn't really go for it. He was kind of timid. He just really kept doing this. He kept doing this. And I think, I think for us, sometimes, like, I just, I see Levi, I see him pounding through this cake. He's, like, so enjoying it. And I think for us, as we talk about dating, as we talk about relationships, which we are going to get into tonight, to tonight, I think sometimes, sometimes, we, we, rush into things, we assume things about other people, we jump into relationships, we, um, I don't know what it is, we, we, we assume things about other people rather than taking the time to truly unpack it. And I think sometimes we're kind of like sweet kids on their first birthday with their smash cake, where they're just like going for it and not really sure what's gonna happen, but we're just, I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve, so it's all good, and this is just how we roll. And I just wanna, I want us to, again, I want us to step back. I want us to slow down a little bit. <laughs> I want us to take a breather, and I want us to properly, appropriately approach relationships, dating, singleness, and all these pieces. Because friends, your, I don't want to give away the ending, but your heart and what God has for you in your life really matters. And if we rush into things, if we, we, if we go for, like, things will happen, mistakes will be made, difficulties will be faced, and I just want to encourage you that we can actually take the right steps and feel really great about relationships. This is something I think that is worth talking about. And so tonight, I want to give you seven thoughts, seven kind of deadly dating sins, if you will. And I want you to know, we're going to hit a lot of stuff tonight, and I'm not trying to trigger anything. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to belittle anyone in this room. I'm trying to, my best to encourage you, to love you as your pastor, to, to give you um, tools, practical things, I'm trying to have fun with the topic because it's a fun topic to talk about it. I love when people ask me, what does the Bible say about dating? Not much, to be honest. This is like a pretty new thing, right? Like this isn't something that was like, mm, I'll go to Dating 101 in, in the book of Amos. Like it's not, that's not how this works really. And yet there's so much in the Bible about how God asks us to conduct ourselves on how to live a life that is worthy of the calling that he calls us to. There's so much in here in living holy. And so I want to take a look, and I'm kind of playing off of the seven deadly sins, which is really this one theologian, his name was Ponticus, and he was this fourth kind of century theologian turned monk who, who really kind of unpacked mostly from kind of Proverbs 6, but he takes a bunch of different pieces in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says these seven things are kind of, the, you know, the, the, most, the things that God hates the most, 
And so I wanna kind of unpack, not seven deadly sins, but the seven deadly dating sins, some things that I would say I continue to hear, things I continue to see, that I think might be distracting us from the things that matter most. And so that's where we're going tonight. Are you ready? You've seen Levi, you've, you've seen cake, now everyone wants cake. Anyone else feeling like cake right now? I certainly am. Three of us again, good to know. Good to know there's more people who watch 90 Day Fiance than want cake, okay? Young adults, <clears throat> come on, give me something. Gosh, it's so hard, I'm pulling teeth. First thing is this, first point is this, I wanted to share with you tonight. First, dead, first deadly dating sin, if you will, is this, is that you need somebody to be somebody or you don't need anybody to be somebody. And I see it happening like this. So let me paint this picture for you. I see it like this. One, on this one side of the pendulum, if you will, it's like, I, I gotta have somebody to have, like, to be important. Like, I, I'm just alone. What is that? Like, I need somebody in my life to be somebody. And on the other side, it's like, I don't need anybody. I am a single, independent, professional man or woman. I don't need a single. Why would I need anyone? Are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need a single person. I'm just, I'm by myself, and I'm good, and I'm confident, and I have everything I need in me. And it's like both sides are arguing for both things. And on one side, we become kind of single and desperate. And then the other side, we're single and just mad and angry at the world. We don't need a single person. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, thank you, Beyonce. All my single ladies, like, we're good, right? Like, anyone? No, it doesn't matter. It was an inside joke. You didn't even know it, so you're not supposed to laugh. There you go. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And I think for some reason, we've kind of lost this ability to find that nuance and balance that matters so much, right? We, we've kind of lost it. And either we're like singer, sing, excuse me, single, like I said, and, 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 and insecure, and so we're, we're seeking after anyone we can find, or we're so profoundly against the idea of finding someone because we're just so matter-of-fact trying to figure out this, and I just want to encourage you that it's, it's really n neither, right? Isn't that the truth in so much of our life where like we're constantly inundated even in media with like everything this group of people is doing wrong and everything this side of the political aisle is doing wrong rather than just trying to find what really matters, what works, what's here. And so we either push this, I don't need anyone at all in my life. I'm fine just as my own, which often is just a defense mechanism of something that's gone on that's deeper. Or we're willing to just sell out our soul and everything else to become somebody, to be with somebody. And I see, I see it happening both ways. And I just want you to consider, if you find yourself in either of these camps, that, that who you are is who you will attract. And you need to, be, you need to understand, you need to even like understand this, that, that depending on who you are and how you live and what's going on in your life, if you're desperate and, and anxious all the time about trying to find somebody, don't be surprised if that's that who comes rolling in. Psalm 16, 8, and this is on our board at home right now. Trina has written this verse for our family the last couple weeks, and I, I thought it so landed so well for this thought. It says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. In this, my body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me, to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your life faithful one see decay. Verse 11, you make known to me, I love this part, you guys, the path of life, you will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Friends, the goal, and there's a good book on this, is to become, if you're single, single and secure. The goal is not to be single and don't need anybody ever. The goal is not to become single and desperate. The goal is to be single and secure in who you are who God has made you. 
in, his, in the confidence and the knowing that there is a grace and a love and a mercy that he has for you. Are you hearing me tonight? This is important, you guys. This is important. He makes known the path, right? He can't fill you with joy if your eyes and your mind and your heart and your actions are always desperately elsewhere. But he will do this. My body also will rest secure. My heart is glad. When what? When I keep my eyes on the Lord. So can I encourage you? Don't run to either side of that pendulum. But find your season of singleness as important. It is. And I know, again, I understand it's hard, like classic married guy up there talking about singleness, but the Bible has a lot to say about it. Paul goes on to say, he literally says, I wish more of you were single. Because then you could do more. You could be encouraged in a deeper way. You could actually push harder in all the things in your life, including ministry, including family, including friendship, whatever it may be. That's what he says. I wish more of you were single. You're welcome. There you are. If you're single, no, I'm just kidding. Like it's, it's a bit of a challenge though, isn't it? To hear those words and say, okay, that, that's interesting. There's something there that I need to consider. What is God telling me in that season? Let your season of singleness be a season where you are joyfully finding delight in Jesus. Not running away from it, not pushing it away. Okay, a couple other things here. Moving right along, we've got seven points, so I gotta, I gotta speed up. Here we go. Number two and three together. You ready for this? I hear this so much, even at this, this crowd all the time. There's no guys out there, and there's no girl out there for me. I hear that there's no girls here at this church and there's no guys for me. I, this is such a classic, like, I see some smiles. I love it. I'm glad we can laugh, right? There are no guys in this church. You know how many times I've heard that? There are, is there a single, single guy in this church? Yes. There you go. There's your answer. Moving on, okay? There is. There's lots, ladies. There's tons. There are no girls here. Did you, there, I swear, are all the girls who are married? No. There's your answer, Okay. There's not, there's lots of, lots of single, there's lots of people here, okay? Relax, but I, there's like this theme, right? Like, ah, oh, when guys come up, like a single guy walks up, it's like, right, there's no guys here. And then the guy walks up to you, he, well, he, he's creepy, so he doesn't count because he wanted to have a conversation with me alone. How dare he, right? I've seen the, right? Or this chivalry is dead. And then the other side, it's the other way, like a coastline. There's no, there's no nice guys at coastline. I've heard this, I really have. And I think, it's, I think it's kind of funny, and, and I get it. Like, maybe it feels like in your scope of friends and the, the main group of people you hang out with, maybe it feels that way. I'm, not, I'm laughing or being facetious here, but for sure there's seasons where it feels like, I don't see a lot of people. I don't, I don't really know. I'm coming to church. I'm trying to meet people, but it's difficult. And here's what I find interesting. Here's what I find interesting. Up here, guys. I, I, hear, I hear people often on both sides of their mouth talking using the same thing, saying the same thing. I think, I think this is really interesting. One, you'll say, there's no guys here, and then a guy will come up and talk to you, but he's too creepy for talking to you. And then on the other side, it's like, well, I really wish guys would be a little more forward and have a conversation with me. And then a guy comes and has a conversation with you, but he's creepy and too forward. And then he texts you, because he didn't want to be too forward, and I hear, guys are just way too forward. Or I, guess, I wish guys were a little more forward and wouldn't text me and they'd come up and talk to me. And it's this really random, awkward cycle. Can I tell you something? I can't help you with that. I can't help you. Because I think what's really being, if we're being honest, what's happening is that maybe the guy who you want to talk to you didn't come up and talk to you. And I get that. Maybe that's challenging. And guys, I'm not letting you off the hook in any way, shape, or form. This is, guys are, it's even worse. Sometimes it's like, well, why are all the good ones married? And then, I hear a girl come up and say hi, 
or flirt with you or talk with you and it's like, listen, church girls are too serious. I'm not looking for anything committed. <laughs> Just hearing some of the women in here audibly moan, I hope is helpful for men to understand. That's the worst thing you could say ever. Like, I'm not looking for anything serious. Church girls are too committed. Too, I'm just looking for like a hangout. Come on. Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just this really funny cycle of like, I wish they were like this. And then when they're like this, it's not the way I want it to happen. And when it's not going to happen, what do we say? There's no guys here. There's no girls here. And it's messed up. We're creating this really weird double standard that we're creating this really awkward, difficult place for you guys to meet one another. If you are single in here, we're creating a very awkward culture that I don't want to see, that the church never made, that we're creating, because you know why? Relationships and dating is challenging. It's hard. It's not easy to work up the courage to go up and say hi to someone that maybe you think is cute. That's the truth. That's the honest truth. And it becomes kind of mean. And we start saying things about that person. Well, he came up to me three weeks ago and it looked like this. And he was so, like, he clearly, and I was like, and he was like, <laughs> and it's just like, what are, we, what are we doing here? And I want to encourage you, not, not challenge, I want to encourage you here. This is, what the, this is what the book of James says. And James has a lot to say about how we live our life and how we act. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Isn't this interesting? When you ask for wisdom and receive, don't doubt it, because the one who doubts it is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person, verse 7, is, this is important, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. When you ask, God will, you should, it says, if you ask wisdom, ask God, who gives generously. Our God brings wisdom. He's giving you the right things to think about. He's giving you the right words to say. But when you doubt it, he's saying, it's like you're just flown to this, like in the sea, blown, tossed, but side by side. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything. Such a person is double-minded. And what is that? Unstable in what they do. Again, the goal is to be what? Single and secure. Like that's the heart here. Like that's the goal. There's a great book on this, actually. I, I, I liked it. It was by Rich Wickerson Jr. He talks a lot about this. And I would encourage you to grab it. Double standards, double-minded it means unstable, which is the exact opposite of what we've been pushing this whole series, to not force ourselves into relationships, to find confidence and security and, and joy and delight in the Lord so that then when we seek and find someone, we're actually whole, healed people, fulfilled in Christ. So can I just say this? Someone comes up and talks to you and, and, and they're clearly trying to flirt with you. Maybe it's just because they think you're cute and maybe just because they want to maybe start some. Who knows? Maybe they're just looking for a friend. Who knows? But be really, really slow to judge and be really honest. And if, listen, if it's unwanted, tell them. And if it's unwanted, friend, back up. Read the room. Let's learn to have conversations again and know that there's a lot of great guys and a lot of great girls even here in this church. I know that because a lot of you I have put together. You're welcome. You're so welcome. It's part of the gig. It's part of the, no, I'm just teasing. Thought number four for you tonight is we kind of work through the seven deadly dating sins. Number four is this. Your list is limiting you. How many of you millennials, specifically because Gen Z's don't do this, um, how many of you millennials wrote a list back in the day of the of the of the, of the husband you wish to have, or the wife you wished. Anyone? Can you be honest with yourself? More people wrote lists than 90 Day Fiance. Good, okay, good, good. 
And here's the thing, Gen Zs, you maybe haven't written the list on a piece of paper that you have scented with something, but you have thought about it. You have thought about it for sure. And I think it's interesting, this whole list idea. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who invented it. I don't know where it started. Um, it's kind of funny. I think it's interesting that it's often about like, I hope they look like this. I hope they make this much. I hope we get to go and do this thing. I hope this thing gets to happen. I hope, I hope she likes sports. I remember that was on my list. I hope she likes sports as much as I do. Grade 10 Lucas, just really wanting someone who would sit and watch the game with me. Praise God for Trina. She's the best. She gets more intense than I do. It's crazy. Watch out. Don't watch a game with her. It's insane. You notice that it's often the things we wish they have. Like, we want them to have these things. And often our list isn't about who we wish they are or are becoming. Hear that again. I want you to hear that. Don't get distracted here. Don't you, don't you think it's interesting that often our list is about things we wish they have, not the person they are or are becoming? Friends, that's not good. I just want to say, like, I love you so much. We need to change our attitude, our perspective, our mindset here. We need to have the heart that says, hold on, before I wish for or write down or even pray for the, 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 the things that they have, I want to know and believe and pray and hope and dream for the person they are, for the child of God they're becoming. And I think we just have, again, a mindset shift that needs to take place. Proverbs 31 is this, is this really great chunk of scripture. And the following, uh, the verses I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share four or five with you, speak about um, a wife's character and her activity. And, and it's interesting. This passage is traditionally, I've, I think we've kind of misunderstood it. It's often spoken as if it's from a, like a man to a woman or something like that. But it's not. This passage is understood. It's, yes, not being addressed to ladies. It's actually being addressed to a young man. From what I see and what I read through this whole chapter, it's a mom actually helping her son, who I believe is a king, Lemuel, although we don't really know historically about a king named that in Israel. So we find this, this, this whole chapter is kind of interesting. It's actually a mom trying to give wisdom to her son about the person he hopes or she hopes that he will kind of see in his life and have as a wife. And so with that in mind, recognizing whether it's man or wife, doesn't matter. Like, let's just... We're all looking for this type of character. This is the type of list that, that biblically we actually are meant to hold up to and hopefully go after. She is clothed with strength and dignity. This is Proverbs 31, verse 25. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. I love this part. Her husband also, and he praises her. So what do we see here? What's the list? Is it, is it 6'3 with speckled hazel eyes? No, guys. No, let's just be honest. It's not. Also, guys aren't 6'3 anymore, okay? Let it go, ladies. 5'10 and a half. Can I get an amen? More like 5'9 and 3 quarters. The whole sound crew is like, yeah, 5'7. But yeah, let's go. 6 and a half. That's good. Let's read this. First of all, I see that she is confident and secure in herself. She's clothed with strength and dignity, meaning she knows her worth, her value. She's strong. She's stable. She's led by wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. What comes out of her mouth is faithful instruction. I really like that. And it's driven by reason and a, and a fear of the Lord, not a fear of humans. She watches over the affairs of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Hardworking and humble. No job too small. And no job not worth doing. And love this. 
people speak well of her. Her husband wakes and, and praises her for all she does and all she is and the person that God has made her. And so I see, I see dignity, I see wisdom, I see humility, I see character. Someone who's well-spoken of, well, like that is the list, guys. Your list is limiting you. It's putting you towards a guy or a girl, whatever it is, like in this shape, that type, whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is what we pray for. This is what we hope for. This is what we dream for. Are you hearing me? This is important. Last few thoughts for you guys as we do close here. I'm gonna give you all three at the same time. And it's this. Dating is not a big deal. Heard this a lot. It's a lie. Dating is not anyone's business, but the people in it. And finally, dating is not so different than marriage. All three of these things, I think, have kind of one main thing in common. And I hate to say this, but I actually think it's true. It's that often we just have a really low value of ourselves. Hear me, Kostanites, this is important. We have a low value of ourselves sometimes. And we find ourselves in that channel that's desperate looking for someone. And so what we do is we don't put a high standard on who we date and how we date. We're fine if we compromise values, ideals. It's like dating's not a big deal. It's fine. We're just hanging out. We're just talking and texting and flirting and making out. It's what it's fine. We're not a thing. I'm not making it a thing. She's not making it. It's fine. We're chill. We're relaxed. It's good. It's cool. I mean, yeah, we've been seeing each other for like seven months on and off, but it's not a thing. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. It's, it's nobody's business who, who's involved in this. I don't need to hear from you what you think. What do you know? You're only married for 30 years, mom and dad. You don't know what it takes to, like, it's you guys, you guys have, I heard you fighting last night, so I don't need to hear from you. And we kind of hide our relationship and tuck it over here so that people don't speak into it. And we don't want anyone really to know. And usually, again, that's because we have a low value of ourselves, and so we're compromising values. It's like the same as marriage. Dating is not that different than marriage. It's like, we've been together for three years. Like, it's, it's like the same thing. We love each other. We say the L word. L-O-V-E, not L-U-V. That is so two years ago, you know? I'm teasing. Maybe I shouldn't. And so we, you know, we do things like that married people do. We have sex and we live together. We're doing this and that. It's fine because, why? Because our love is our bond. And friends, I hear these things all the time. Dating's not a big deal. No one needs to speak into this except, you know, the people in it. It's the same as marriage. We've been together a long time. What, it, it's this. There's even this new piece of culture. I was reading about this. I got way too far down this rabbit hole on this, how dating is separate than relationships. Like dating, you can date multiple people at one time. It's fine. You're seeing people here and there. That's our culture. But once you get in a relationship with someone, then you should probably stop dating and just be in a relation. Guys, dating, Proverbs 4.23, a verse all of you have heard, and yet for some reason many of us forget, above all else, the Bible says. This, if you actually read all of Proverbs 4, it's, again, from what I'm seeing, it's from one dad to his sons. And he even says, I think it's in verse like 10 or 11, he even says, listen, and my father told me this as well. And so from generation to generation, the knowledge being passed down is this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, there's a lot we could extrapolate from this, and I'm just, I ran out of time. But dating is a big deal because your heart is a big deal. You guys, our, our, 
our effort to not put pressure or label or confine a relationship or put it in a box actually begins to devalue the heart and souls and the people who have intrinsic value, who have the image of God, the Imago Dei, in their hearts and soul. And so when you say it's not a big deal, this thing, it's fine, I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve, it's not a big deal, God is saying, you are a big deal. Because if you weren't, then I wouldn't have died for you. If you, if, if you weren't such a big deal, then, then what's the point of the cross? Don't just throw your heart at someone. Don't just throw your body at someone. Don't just engage in this or that. Because why? Well, because it's fun and I need to get just, I need to just let loose. Hold on. I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun when you're dating. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy each other's company. I'm not saying don't date. Definitely not saying that. You can ask anyone who came to youth group with me. I never encouraged that ever. Why? Because you just do it anyway. It's truth, it's the truth. So my, my, my stance was always this, it was always listen, as long as you know the gospel, as long as you're willing to, to let other people speak into it, and as long as you're dating with an end goal in mind, I say okay, that's just my perspective. Talk to your parents, that's what I always say. Actually, that's how I always lead, wouldn't I? I'd be like, first of all, talk to mom and dad, and then I would say this. And, I, and the reason why I think this is a really big deal is because the Bible literally tells us above anything else to guard your heart not to throw it away, not to give it out in pieces, not to stretch it to this person and then that person and not take care of it. It says above all else, for everything you do flows from it. And if you value the relationship and if you value yourself and if you're, if you're secure and confident in the mercy of God and you are a child of God, then you know that you were bought at a price, the Bible says. And so when we just run into a relationship or force this thing, we're actually forgetting the very thing, recognizing that God died for you and for me. Dating, it's not so different than marriage. I think often I hear that and I think it only comes from one of the persons in the relationship. That's just my own thought. Please don't let one person in the relationship dictate the values of the relationship. You come to that together. And this is said often in our church, and I don't know who coined it first, but I think it's a great phrase, that your level of intimacy should always match your level of commitment. We have a bit of a commitment problem. This generation, I mean, I'm not saying the church, I'm saying this generation, we just, we're, we're, we're concerned about getting too committed and, and freaking anyone out, right? Or rush her away or rush them away. We're scared if I, what if, I, if I'm, but I'm feeling these things. I don't want to go too far because then maybe she'll feel like I'm a stage five clinger and I don't want, I'm cool, dude. I'm relaxed, I'm chill, I'm fine. And we're really worried and concerned about being committed and devoted. And friends, there's such great quality in committing yourself and being devoted to someone. You're not just making a commitment, a bond of love when you get married, friends. This is a covenant before friends, before God, before an officiant. It is a big deal. And I promise you, I, I, I've known my wife since I was 15. I, I, I knew her, I, We know each other longer now than, than we haven't. And I can tell you right now, dating her for over, on and off, and we'll tell our story in this series for almost six years, I can tell you right now, marriage is far different than dating. 
And so don't rush into anything intimate and physical just because you love each other. Don't, don't shy away from, from saying, hey, I'm, I'm here for you and I'm committed to this. I'm not jumping around. Trust me when I say your level of intimacy should match your level of commitment. And how do we know that? Why is that a significant thing? Because we understand that Jesus set the example. He says, you were worth dying for. Make no mistake, Andy said it this morning in a different series. I encourage you to go double dip this month, guys. It's good. Don't forget, your sin had a price tag. Your sin had a price tag. It cost Jesus everything. And so when he instructs us to guard our heart, it's because he understands. He understands what's going on in here. And he said, I'm in it for the long haul. I recognize the sin. I see the damage. I see the destruction maybe that we have caused. And I won't forget you. I'm not replacing you. I am so committed. I will nail myself to the cross to have an eternal life with you in our relationships, especially in singleness and in dating. And in, as we hang out, as we talk, it should reflect that. Amen? Come on, guys. I've been teasing you all night about this. I pray and hope that the culture we're building here specifically with young adults in our youth ministries, that, that even the culture you are setting, friends, not the culture that is set for you, like newsflash, the culture is always going to look, look a little different at church. It should. It really should if you're a Christian. But let me, let me say, I really hope and pray that what we do and how we live and how we are in relationships looks a whole lot different. And I pray and I believe and it's my dream and it's my hope that our relationships would be the same that as of Christ, that the example he set saying, I'm committed, I love you, I'm for you, I will sacrifice, I will be humble. My level of commitment should match my level of intimacy. That example should be set so clear. And I hope and pray that we set that example everywhere we go. Amen? Maybe like two points better. I don't know, guys. I don't, I, I like teasing you guys, and I'm not looking for applause. I really am not. I'm looking for you to get it. Because I'm telling you right now, these are verses you pray over your kids. These are verses you pray over people. These are verses I pray that you would get so deep, that you would know your value, that you would understand that he died for you, that you're not trash, you're not like, I'm, I don't even like saying this term, but culturally I've heard it enough. Nobody sloppy seconds. There's nothing about that. God is saying, you are worth it. I see you. There's nothing you have done that disqualifies you from my love or my commitment or my joy in being in a relationship with you. I see everything you've done, and I say I will gladly, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Are you seeing that picture? So with that, hold yourself in high esteem. Consider yourself someone who is worth it because he thought you were. So one more time, there's a lot of dating pitfalls. There's a lot of things we could say and I'm not getting to tonight. But I am here to say to never compromise on the values that Jesus has placed within you and never underestimate the worth and the value that Jesus has on you because you are his and he says you were bought at a price. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 6, the very last verse. You read 1 Corinthians 6 tonight. It's a challenging chapter about, about sexual purity. It's, it's, you're going to have to read it. Maybe read it with someone. But at the very end, the last verse, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let me pray over you tonight. Holy Spirit, as we sit here, as we talk about a topic that's challenging, as we look through seven 
difficult, challenging things that maybe the culture or we have even set ourselves. I pray by your spirit, by your power, in Jesus' name, that healing would come over every heart here. God, that nobody here would feel like they aren't worth being in a relationship with, that nobody here would rush into something just for, for the sake of wholeness, but God, we'd run to you, we'd keep our eyes on you, we would like Psalm 16, eight says, you are at our right hand, we know that you are close, that we will not be shaken because our eyes are always set on the Lord. God, I pray for the, the single person in here who maybe has dated a bit, but is just feeling like uncertain about what looks ahead. God, I pray that they wouldn't think so much about who or what, but their eyes and their joy and the delight in their life would be focused on a relationship with you and at the right time, God, at the right time, you would bring that person. God, I pray for the people who are in relationships here, who maybe have some things to work through. God, for the person in here who could care less about a relationship and is just hungry for friendship. God, for the person who's lonely. God, we don't wanna make it too much about us. We wanna keep it about you. And I pray in Jesus' name that every person, every relationship status, every circumstance in here would remember and be reminded tonight of what you did on the cross. That even on a topic of dating, we can absolutely see your gospel shining bright. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would see the worth and value in this room rising because we know our God said, I, I see you, I value you. There is a price to be paid. So Lord, we love you tonight. We come a little bit closer. God, we look, we look ahead and say, there is no shame that could hold me back from a relationship with you, God, and a relationship with others. And we pray right now that you would speak to us as we pray, as we pray and as we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said,